Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way, and future plans. So tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. Welcome back to the Pure Sport Project. We are joined by Waz Ashire. I've known you for quite a few years now, actually. Long time. Yeah. You supplying like the caffeine to me before you were supplying that. years back in the days. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for coming in, Waz. As always, we let the guests do their introduction. So the floor is yours, Waz. Give us you ready? a little bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm Waz Ashire. I'm a fitness professional. I am the group fitness manager of Equinox or Equinox, as they say in London. I'm also an online trainer for a fitness app called Fit, and I am the co-founder. Well, I'm the founder now. There is no co. I'm I'm a lone wolf. I'm the founder of a pop-up fitness experience called Raise LDN. Sick, sick, sick. <laughs> How old are you, Wes? Uh, I'm 32. So I turned 32 in July. I'll be 33 next year. Great skin. <laughs> like a dolphin. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into the dolphin we'll, reference. We'll, we'll know some uh, some background knowledge. He's done his research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think the first time I ever came across who you were or anything like that was probably back in like your modeling days. You know how like social media works, and there's that black and white image of you looking chiseled as fuck, right? And I saw that and I was like, who I still, is this I, still guy? I still use it by the way. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Did you fancy him though? <laughs> I could appreciate a good looking guy. <laughs> so you need to say yeah. And I don't know, you know when you you see someone you're like, you make you judge a book by its cover and you're like, I know what this guy's like. Honestly. And then it was probably like a few years later, I actually met you and I was like, oh no, like you're actually like a proper nice bloke. I was like, this guy's going to okay, be Okay, so here's the question. I'm going to reverse it. What did you actually think? I was like, oh, it's one of these model, one of model guys <laughs> that thinks they're fucking dogs bollocks and they just like go out and party and smash gear and all this kind of stuff. And I, was I mean, two like, of those three things are correct. <laughs> <laughs> you're 60% right. <laughs> So we probably can get into that. What were you doing first? Were you doing the the model fancy life first or were you doing fitness all the same time? I'll run a a timeline. So for all my sins, I went on a TV show, a reality TV show, and it was called Make Me a Supermodel. Um, If you're wondering if it did, it didn't. I'm sat here. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. We can say we get supermodels in here. No, it was it was it was uh, it was on Channel Five back in the day, like before you know people had Sky TV and stuff. So I think like my dad had to stand outside an aerial on his head to get reception. But it was like <laughs> it was like living a house job with it was actually like they had credible people on the panel. They had like Dylan Jones, who was like the edit- editor of GQ. They had like, do you remember Rachel Hunter, supermodel, the shadow on the thing? The boys like no, fun. Save mum. He's going to get to know. <laughs> Fern Cotton presented it. And it was like a reality show where guys and girls live together, basically. And we're all fighting for this contract with select models. I lasted four weeks out of five. And I came third or whatever. And, and select still took me on after the show. How old were you when you did that? I was six. When I, when I auditioned for that, that I was 16. And I was 17 when I was on the show. So I was 17 years old when I was on the show. So 2006. And what did you have to do? You just live with them or what? Oh my God, I was the worst. You know, like in a TV show, they pick like, I don't know, one, you know, 
one buff guy, one skinny guy, one blonde guy, one brown guy, one cocky guy. I was, yeah, I was the latter. <laughs> so the, the, I can remember, I can actually remember my question. I, I, I went, I went to London when I was like 15 years old, trying to get into all the nightclubs as you do. Cause I actually lived out in Marlborough in Wiltshire yeah. in the countryside. I know a lot about the counties. Go on. I've been to Wiltshire. Would you, how many counties are in? Uh, are in... 48. Yeah. In there. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Could you say you'd see all of them in 30 days? Good day. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for you, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I went up to London with all my mates and, and I got scouted. Back in the day, they used to scout you with like business cards and stuff. And all my friends took the piss out of me. And I actually, I didn't, I didn't go and see Select. I got scouted by Select and I didn't go and see them. I went to every other agency first just to confirm that, you know, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't I was, being lied to. Yeah. I actually got turned down by everybody. I got turned down and I can name them. I got turned down by Models One, Premier. I literally saw every agency apart from the agency that scouted me because yeah. I thought, you know, like, I'll, I'll just go and do it. And I went back to Select with this card that the woman had given me. She was embarrassed because I think, you know, she was trying to, it was a party and I think she was actually just trying to hit on me. She found out I was 15 and just gave me a, oh, a, sc- <laughs> gave me a model scout card. Um, Is this the me too? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, we're, we're not interested in taking you. And then she was like kind of flustered, but she was like, you know, there's this TV show audition that you'd be, you'd be great for. And then, you know, they are, they'd ask you weird, you've, you've done TV stuff. So they ask you stupid questions, right? One of the questions in the audition was like, if you were a sandwich, what sandwich would you be? So what was your answer? What, well, what was your answer be? Taurine sandwich. Sor- oh yes. Big up. Fist pump. <laughs> nah, you need to fist pump dollar. He's Mr. Yeah. Taurine. Are you serene? I love Taurine. Bro. Okay. Best thing to do. Right, what do you do with yours? Don't tell me you eat it raw. My <laughs> I'm out of here. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's two things. It depends on how much time you've got and what facilities you've got at okay. your disposal. Right, okay, cool. Can Whether I go? you've got the facilities for that big man. Okay. All right, so. <laughs> listen, right. I've got, listen, I'll tell you what I do, yeah? Because I don't, I don't, right? don't want to sound like I don't want to sound like I'm copying because I'm, I'm in a serene fiend, yeah? Right, so <laughs> this is basic, but it's the best thing in the world. Not many people know to do this. I don't go for the sliced one. I go for the big chunky one because it's softer and fluffy. The brick. The, the, the brick, right? <laughs> so I take the brick and I chop up the brick, but you need a bread knife, otherwise you get mash up. You Why don't you get up. the ready sliced brick? No, no, it's all too thin. You need the big thick slices, right? So then, yeah, you slice it up with a bread knife, yeah? And then you toast it. Mm. Please tell me you toast it. Of course. You just went standard. Yeah, you toast it, right? Peanut butter on top, done. Oh, are we talking like original malt loaf plus PB? We're talking original PB toasted. Hanging. I just go plain. Not skippy, bro. That's from Costco, fam. (laughs) 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 You know, you know what, you know, I'm I'm actually gonna shout out the brand because I love the, I love their, I love their peanut butter. I'm not even. I wish I could get sponsored by them. So if you're listening, Pip and Nut. Do banging peanut butter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Banging. Yeah. You know, like it's not it's not too healthy where it's like dry. Yeah. But it's it's like moist enough to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they do some banging ones as well. They do like the almond butter little concoctions that they do. Yeah. There's like the uh, is it got like syrup in it or like honey? It's the got peanut flavors, butter and honey. It's got like cinnamon, they've Bro. got like yeah, mad. Yeah. Madness. Big up pip and nut. Big up pip and nut, big up serene. Right, back to Oh, yeah. What's How do we get onto that? <laughs> we are at, at the random question of oh the sandwich. What, oh, sandwich. what sandwich would you be? That's not a sandwich, by the way. <laughs> just, 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 just to clarify, I've never had a serene sandwich in my life. 
Get the, uh, the ready button <laughs> ones. And Tesco's. Meal deal. Yeah, but they're dead. They're cold as fuck. I like the cold <laughs> bit of butter in between. That's a story in sandwich. All right. Okay. Yeah. So what sandwich. sandwich were you? I want to ask Will, what sandwich would you be? If you're a sandwich, what sandwich would you be? Something Frenchy. Something Frenchy? Something fancy and Frenchy. Yeah. Yeah. But bro, you can't beat ham and cheese if it's tight. I've just had one. That's probably why I'm saying mm. it from Comptoir opposite. Yeah. If you got French baguette that's been freshly baked like a couple hours ago, mm. you need a bit of meat, that's meat and cheese in there. That's very niche. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm niche. <laughs> I, like, I like what I like. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, now my answer is just going to sound like an anti-climax. Yeah, but I you're 15, yeah. so we'll give you grace. You're 15. I'm a cheese and pickle sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I like egg and crash. <laughs> um, no, I, I was just, I was literally the cockiest thing ever. I was like, oh yeah, if I was a sandwich, I'd be a bit of everything. I'd be a bit of chicken. I'd be a bit of mayo, a bit, a bit of tuna. What do you, what do you like, babe? And I was just like, she, was, she was literally, exactly. She was like... <laughs> You have like a personality disorder. You definitely need <laughs> yeah. to go on the show. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a boss <laughs> Just stop, just stop looking. For <laughs> and just to clarify, I've never eaten a sandwich with all those ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of flavour yeah. going on in there. So yeah, no. So they, I did it, and they put me in this show, and then I, I think I offended everybody. Like I actually offended everybody. And then I was like, you know, like they, 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 the production company called me TV Gold. And at the time I thought, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, good thing. that's a great thing. <laughs> what that actually means, right? So if anybody calls you TV Gold, it means that you are the most disruptive mother ever. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and people don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was, that's what I was. And then I came out and I did, I did so well with modeling when I was like, so from the age of like 17, into like my mid twenties, really. I mean, I did pick up nightlife somewhere along the line, so I'll get to that. But I just travelled the world on my own, which was like insane. I was I was actually a geek at school. I was like the biggest geek ever. I got straight A's, hundred percent on business and law papers. I did media. Media was a dropout. I watched like the Italian Job, and then like that's right comprehension on it. <laughs> I was like, everyone should sign up for media. <laughs> so I go to the Odeon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for any future A-level, I mean, I don't know what your audience is like, but if you're looking, take media, because <laughs> you can do it with pick and mix. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, um, but law and business, that's serious. That's some serious stuff. Yeah, I was, I was such a geek. I'd like cry if I didn't have my homework in and stuff. Did you go time. to uni or just skip that? No, thing? so I got unconditional offers to go to university. I played hockey at a really high level. When you say hockey, people are like, what ice hockey? I'm like, no, field hockey. Okay, you were like, goalie then? Yeah. And yeah, did I, that not translate to football? You know that game that like a lot what, more people what, play. What, 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 <laughs> <my money? laughs> what like that goalkeeper? What's his name? Bartes. You know that crazy guy yeah. who's come out and just yeah. hit up people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you just got to be a bit nut. In yeah, in in they put pads on you and stuff. I think people just wanted to whack balls at me. That sounds. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got the quote. A- we've, we've got the quote for yeah. how we're going to sell this thing. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, <laughs> hockey balls. So yeah, and I got I got unconditional offers to go to Loughborough, uh, Reading, and Exeter. I think my mum still hates me for not going to university, but um, I went to, yeah, I went to a really nice public private school. I don't know what they call it, but I went to a nice, uh, nice school. And then I actually, yeah, I left the nice school so I could play hockey because we had to go to school on Saturdays. So I had to... You did that as well, James, eh? I did, did you? That. Yeah. Did you? I'm, yeah. the, I'm, I'm the only statesman here. 
I had to go on. Fucking grin it and bear it. Yo, I had a farm at my school. You, <laughs> could, t- you could take farm as a A level. Yep. Or a. Did you take it? Not a, no, I took, I took uh, cooking though. That's probably why I flex so hard on the cooking. Yeah. We used to have to go that's on. why you came up with that French baguette. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you post the pictures of pasta and stuff on your story. All the kids were making their fucking Victoria sponge. I was roll, fresh rolling sushi. <laughs> and the teacher was like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I like food. <laughs> that's why I took this subject. I'm not here just to give you your Victoria sponge and your... Sorry, to, br- sorry, to, break down Swiss roll. <laughs> sorry to break down your story. I've never seen sushi being prepared on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the school was just a farm. We sat on hay bales. I was in butt fuck nowhere. A farm with a sushi bar. Sushi. <laughs> you know that farm with a sushi bar? Sick. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Money. Let's do Countryside it. money. That is niche. That is niche. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Will is niche. So I did, I did the TV show and then I, I lived, yeah, so I lived in, where did I live? I live everywhere. I lived in Greece. I lived in uh, Paris. I lived like LA. I lived, I just went everywhere. For, m- models, by the way, just for the record, I'm sure you've come across many. I'm sure you boys have dated many. They are gypsies, right? Models are gypsies. Okay, so models, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may look great. They may talk good. Yeah, they are gypos. Unless you are in the top, like, which I wasn't. <laughs> and I'm not bitter. <laughs> but but if, unless you're like in the top, I don't know, 0.2% like David Gandhi land, yeah? You essentially are traveling around doing jobs. You don't get paid for three months. They take 25%. It's like you're always, you're, on, you're a hustler. You are a hustler, but you experience everything on your own. So you experience, it's, it's very like, it's in, I don't know, you're isolated. So you like, you would... You'd, you'd also be the flakiest in your circle of friends because you get put on option. Um, I think we discussed this when I met you last time. Well, you know, you get put on option for jobs and it's like you can't really fully commit to anything in your diary because you're always dependent on phoning your agency or you're an option for this, you're an option for that. So you're not very reliable and you're like a lone wolf, basically. And it's not like the paper on Thursday. You don't get paid tuppence. It's always like, oh shit, that's going to be good for me for... Yep a few weeks a month that's rent in one pop so yeah so the mentality yeah. so that so the, so the double-edged sword to that is the mentality is you don't actually pick up mediocre work you don't pick up normal what we call normal work in inverted commas because then your benchmark is a lot higher you're like oh well i get paid 10 grand for that so why would i do this for one grand you know so it's very it, you can see how easy it is to slip into that poor mentality you know, and, and it's just not a safe way to, to live your life unless, you know, it's not guaranteed. It's very up, it's very down. And unless you've got, so, unless you're sort of like entrepreneur or you've got a business head on you, you, unless you prepare for the future, I think it's, it's a dangerous game to play. Even, it's somewhat even worse now just because of social media, like everything gets heightened. So everyone's looking going, wow, look at that lifestyle. Yeah. Paris, Milan, New York, yep. fashion week, parties. Yeah. Going to everything everyone wants to go to, getting cool shit. Yeah. Some of the loneliest I mean, fuckers. It, it, on, used, it used to be better. I mean, they did like when I did shoots and stuff. You'd be able to just take a lot more. Now you you can't take anything. Everything sample sale <laughs> or like sample size or like you can't take anything. And then they'd see you on like billboards or they'd see you on. They'd be like, oh my god, you're doing so well. You know, I can actually remember when I was in. So I was in Marlborough. That's where I was and went to school most of the time and I remember going to the local gym it was at a leisure centre he said it was so much distaste he's been, <laughs> he's been at Equinox way too long it was it was a leisure centre <laughs> <laughs> 
prices only double digits. <laughs> you know what I mean? It had like one bench. <laughs> dumbbells went up to 10. It was fine for me then. Yeah, you had to, <laughs> you had to, you had to wrap your own weight on those little dumbbells with that metal fucking spinny thing on the end. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay, so, um, so, so I was there and then I can remember the, the receptionist lady. I walked in with my mum and the receptionist lady was like, oh my God, oh my God, aren't you so proud of him? Aren't you so proud? And my mum went, proud? She's like, being good looking is not an achievement. <laughs> she was like, I'd be more proud if he read a book. I'd be more proud if he, you know, if he has any intellect or he just like, you know, could comment on current affairs. You know, it's, it doesn't take anything to be good looking. And I was just like, great, cool. So that was really how I completely like, grounded my sort of my take on it. I've also got a twin brother, which I mean, we'll get into, but I've got a twin brother um, who actually lives in LA now. But anyway, with the story, I went on. Did, did that sort of stuff. I actually qualified to tie in with the fitness. I actually qualified as a PT when I was 18, 19 with Premier, with Premier Fitness, which is now NA, NASM. I did my level three with Premier. Yeah. Back in the day. Really. Yeah. I mean, it's the pretentious way to pass, isn't it? It's most expensive. Everybody else offers the same. <laughs> but you did it with Premier. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same course, different course. But because you put it on your TV, I did Premier. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, fucking hell, go on, son. So before it got acquired, yeah, by NA, it's NASM, I think now. But yeah, they, I, I qualified with them and, and always had that in my back pocket and always loved training. And I think, yeah, I was, I, I've got an addictive personality, which I'm sure we'll jump into as well. But I just like, I, I really took to that, like that gym life. I was up in the morning, um, like non-negotiable. I was doing like fasted cardio every morning, six o'clock in the morning. Then I'd come back in the afternoon, I'd hit some weights and I'm, my dad is a, is a chef. He's a really, you know, really, really top chef. He was like head chef of Harrods, you know, top head chef of Hilton, like private chef for, you know, loads of you know, like VIPs and all that sort of stuff. So he's a great chef. It was amazing. So I had all my food like drilled. I had like steak, fillet, salmon, everything. And I was just like completely took into that life. Was it purely like an aesthetic pursuit? Yeah. I mean, I st it still is now, you know, and I always say to people, find out what your message is and just be true to who you are. Because it's, it's, there's so much out there that I think everybody tries to do a bit of everything uh, or they try and keep up with other people to try and be accepted or try and be cool or it's just actually okay. Just stick your hands up and be like, this is what I do and I love doing this and I'll get involved with what everyone else is doing, you know, but this is me, you know, and this is, this is, this is what I love. This is what I like to do and this is how I do it. If you, if you help other people, you're a genius, right? Because that's what life's about. It's about helping other people. So if you figure out a way to help other people, you know, with nothing to, to not gain anything. Yeah. Unconditionally. Just yeah. Help them. Yeah. That, that's when you're, that's, that's G status, isn't it? That's like, that's, that's what, that's the pinnacle. So I just think that's, so if, if I'm able to help anybody, you know, that aspires to, but they need to know the, the full story. They need to know the whole truth. I think people sort of mask that on Instagram. You see everybody's highlights. I talk about Instagram because it's the social platform that basically everyone uses. But no one really sees like the low lights, do they? They see they just see the end result. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. And I'm like, but do you? <laughs> do you really? <laughs> yeah. But that's what gets the likes stuff. And that's it just encourages more people to do that, you know? I'm hiding my likes now. I just don't care. Just like I just like it doesn't matter. That doesn't define me. Mm -hmm. I used to care. Don't get me wrong, I used to really care. But it's just like it's just whatever, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like So you you did your PT with Premier? Yep. And then I feel like a lot of people do a PT course because they enjoy training themselves yeah. and they just want to go and train people how they want to train themselves. 
you know what I mean? Like they, they go to a 40 year old lady and say, right, you need to do shoulders today. <laughs> and today we're doing, today we're doing legs and abs. And the old lady's like, oh, this is just going to kill her for like three days. Today so we're going to do superset of biceps and triceps. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what was your, your reason for doing it? Obviously you had a passion for fitness for yourself, but then you also said that you wanted to help people. So I don't think I don't think I wanted. I don't think when I was seventeen I wanted to help anyone. I think if I'm being honest, if I like deep dive into that when I was a seventeen year old, I think that in the back of my head I subconsciously knew that this 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 joyride is not going to last forever. And I've always been like ahead of the curve in terms of my thinking. So like I always knew that that yeah this modelling stuff's great. And don't get me wrong, I love the attention. I got loads of attention. I lived in a small town. It was very obvious. We just like. You, but you, you can sit in that or you can, you can plan something in the back of your head. And I think my plan was always to be in fitness because mm -hmm. I loved it. But I just, yeah, I think, I, th I think at the time I just wanted to be qualified because I just think in a world where no one's qualified now, <laughs> I think back then, I think it was just so important to me that I, l l there, there is another way to train. There is a, there is a philosophy. There are muscles in the body you need to learn. There are, you know. I, I got, I was, I, I lucked out and I was in great shape and stuff like that, but I knew there was more to training than just what I was doing myself. Where did that obsessive sort of behavior come from? You said you got an addictive personality. Did you have it like all your life? You said you were a straight A student. You're upset. Like you say, you cry if you didn't get your homework <laughs> in. Was that just something you always, like, if you look back, that's something you always had in everything you did? Yeah. I think like, you know, my, my, my mom is, you know, my mum's an amazing person and I think she's definitely rubbed off on me. She's just super academic, like just, she's an accountant, but she was just, she always stressed the importance of, you know, just having something upstairs in terms of just being just astute to your environment and just being just like picking up on things and reading and just being, you know, living in the now as well, like being polite. She, she would get more kicks out of me, you know, like when, people interact with your children and they're like, oh my God, they were so polite. They were so nice. My mum would get more joy out of that than anything I ever achieved in my life. Yeah. I can say the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But they're like, oh my God, you know, you were so well behaved. Well done. So-and-so said you were polite and, you know, please and thank yous. And you know, I still remember it now. Like when you're at dinner, no elbows on the table. Like, yeah, you used to ask to get down afterwards. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you remember like all these small things that when you're, and you see other kids that don't do it and you're like, they're rude. Yeah. So like, and I just think that that, you know, she was always pushing me and she was always, she would always congratulate me and, you know, she would hero me and champion me when I did well. And I, you know, I think that was, that was tough for my twin because my twin, he wasn't academically applied. It doesn't mean that he's not smart. It just the school system just didn't suit. Like he just wasn't one of those people that got on with the school system. He always questioned things, and you know he was always just he was out there. He's a lad. My brother's a lad. Like my brother played like rugby for Ireland, and like you know, and was just here's a comparison, right? He, he's ginger, by the way. Just to, just to put it out there. I know you can't see me because it's a podcast, but yeah, when you told me that from a few years ago, it really threw me, and I was like. What do you mean you have a twin that's ginger? <laughs> so he's, he's ginger. So we're half Irish and we're half Palestinian. So yeah, so it's like, we're, you don't actually know where we were born. Yeah. This is where it's like, not tropical. <laughs> Bolton. <laughs> <laughs>
probably just get my dad a beans but I just I like it. <laughs> but we so I lived in Bolton for two months so I'm not a northerner if, you're, if people are trying to get at me and like some camaraderie I'm not northern so, so <laughs> I'm not disrespecting anybody from Bolton by the way so then I was yeah I grew up I grew up in London this is this is the divide right I'll give you some examples I played hockey he played rugby right my favorite drink was a mojito yeah his was a Stella <laughs> <laughs> he, he had short cropped hair. I used GHDs to straighten my hair. Skinny ones. They didn't come out for a long time, but when they did, game changer. There was like that divide, you know? And I think, again, that's an, that, was another, that was another anchoring fact. That was another grounding fact for me. You know? Did you get on though? Even though you were so different, you were obviously... We grew up together. You were. Twins. I was actually. I was. I was in his shadow because he was just such a character, like, and he was. You. You both from small villages, yeah. So like, everybody knows everybody, right? Yeah. So everybody knew him, and I was just like Nad's brother until I modelled. I was like Nad's brother. My brother always used to like come in and protect me. I mean, I mean, I've got a theory about people with red hair. I just think that they're like. That, yeah, if you want to win a war, stick a hundred ginger people on the front line. No, genuinely, <laughs> genuinely. I'm pretty sure I'm not making this up. I might oh, be. There was a thing they did, a study I saw the other day about Is this a redheads. Yeah. Yeah. Redheads have a higher income. And, and anger, I, I don't know. It just like, I just think- Genuine, I'm going to dig it out. I'm going to dig it out and show you. I, I just, read it somewhere. You read so, some interesting shit. So, yeah. Yeah. so, so far, I've offended everybody from Bolton and anybody who's got red hair. <laughs> I'm narrowing down my audiences as this, po- <laughs> as, as this podcast goes on. But yeah, no, I, he, yeah, he just, he was just like, he's, he was just like a thug mentality. He was just, he was literally just, a la- he was rough, ready lad that just like, and I lived in his shadow until I did my own thing really. How did it feel when you, well, kind of overtook him of, of sorts? Because that is, yeah, that I is just, what happens. It do, it does, and I think he he's now super successful in his own right. He's an assistant director, and he lives in LA, and he works on big, huge Hollywood films. And but he's just always been non pretentious. Doesn't care. Doesn't he doesn't care for anything materialistic, like nothing materialistic. You'd find him in the local pub over your bougie nightclub. He's. A nicer person. He's funnier. He's just, he's just, a, he's just an all-round better guy. <laughs> um, so uh, he's not on Instagram. Yeah, he's just. He's, we're completely different. We're completely different. So yeah, continue with the journey. I, I had that in my back pocket. I had training in my back pocket. It's going to come back. It comes back to help me later in my life. So I go off and do my modeling stuff. Obviously, modeling up, down, yada, 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 and then. Um, I take my first job working in a bar. It was a bar called The Collection, which is now called Hours Restaurant. It's on Brompton Road. Um, and I, I actually worked in the cloakroom. <laughs> Model in the cloakroom. Mm. Boom. Yeah. I did something quite genius though. But what made you do that? Because Was it because modeling work was drying up or? You just, I, just, I just knew that you just couldn't ride this. Like, and also I wanted to be in control. I want it to be in control of the monies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to call somebody up and be like, hey, when am I getting paid? You know, and it was always like, you can't commit to anything. You know what London life's like? You need to pay your rent. Every, I can't tell a landlord, hey, listen, I just did uh, Kelvin Klein, yeah? But uh, yeah, uh, they're not going to pay me for three months, but I'll give you all your money in three months. Because <laughs> <laughs> this uh, was the collection of one of those places where they work with a lot of models, so it's like ad hoc. Like if, no, you, uh, if you say you can't come in the next day, you're fine. Well, the guy didn't, the guy didn't know. Me. I mean, I've done some stuff, yeah? Let me, let me get this thing straight. Before I went to London, I worked. my first job ever was in Waitrose. 
yeah where they tell you that, that you co-own the business and stuff like that because it's cooperative <laughs> yeah, yeah. you get a share of the profits yeah, 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 yeah. you don't <laughs> my wage was four pounds twelve an hour <laughs> that was on the chicken counter <laughs> my twin brother was on the fish counter and we used to call each other and be like what <laughs> You smell nice when you got home. No, <laughs> my brother got no ladies. <laughs> I was going to use another word. Um, <laughs> my brother got no ladies because he smelled fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then I had to clean. Have you been to Waitrose Chicken Counter? Right, I challenge all of you that are listening to this, if you're still listening, is <laughs> to go, because we meander off the point quite a lot, is to go to Waitrose, check out those chicken ovens, yeah? And then you'll know what I mean. But basically, they're industrial-sized ovens that you have to clean. You send them in yourself, and you have to clean them yourself, and you've got like a, a chick, like I call it a chicken hat. It's a hat, <laughs> yeah, that stops grease going on your head. It's gross, right? So I was like complete diva, right? I was like, I ain't washing it. <laughs> so, so I was like, I'll go out on the floor and do bread rotation. This is actually a thing, by the way, bread rotation. So you'd have to put like the, the best before dates in order. So you'd have, like, you know about it, right? I'm not going to bore people. Right. So then I'd just be out there taking my oven hat on, trying to chat to girls. And I was like, it was so unsuccessful. I mean, who is going to pick up the guy with a waitress pinny on <laughs> rotating hovis? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 I definitely got a chance here. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if you know, I've got shares in the business. <laughs> <laughs> and I get a discount at John Lewis. People <laughs> looking to furnish your house. <laughs> They'd give you like a card as well, like like the they give you like a discount card to go and use. Yeah, those days were over. Anyway, so I um yeah I went I I went and I worked in collection and I worked in the in the cloakroom. Now they wanted to promote me. I'll tell you a funny story. This is like where the the business mind came in. Yeah, they wanted. <laughs> And if somebody from collection is still listening to this, they wanted to promote me to, to, the, to the door guy, right? And I was like, no, no, no. The guy didn't even know my name. The owner didn't know my name. He just called me six pack, right? He didn't know my name. He literally, I don't think he cared. He was just like, hey, six pack. And I was like, my, my, I have a name. <laughs> um, so I worked in a cloakroom and we would charge two pounds for an item, right? We were supposed to charge one pound. So I charged two and put one pound on the floor every night because I was broke I couldn't live in London I had no money so <laughs> you're waiting for three months so, so don't judge me so, so so every pound there was 300 spots on a busy night in winter in London everyone carries a coat right so then I was like cool so there was like 400 500 items going in there a night one pound to the club one pound to me one pound to the club one pound to me I'd walk out on a nice work work in the cloakroom was <laughs> I got the money. <laughs> oh, money, money. <laughs> I like 400, 500 pounds every night. <laughs> I don't want to work on a door. <laughs> is that a six pack? This is a great opportunity for you. What are you talking about? You get paid more. Am I? Am I? <laughs> but I was like, and not only that, the other thing as well, right? Because I'm a people person, yeah? <laughs> I like people. Um, so, well, I like socializing and then I like going back home and not socializing. But, um, but I met everybody. That's how you meet everyone. You meet everyone by being in the cloak because you meet everybody. You take you like literally everyone comes over, drops a coat off, have a chat with everybody, and it was just like anyway, it progressed into me working into nightclubs. I worked for a guy called Nick House and Piers Adams. They owned a collection of clubs that I'm sure everyone's been to. Mahiki, Whiskey Mist. They had they had loads Bodo Schlosh, like they had all those clubs. 
and I worked my way into doing that. Um, I also worked for a club called Mavida back in the day. I set up Mavida in Dubai. I was fully immersed in the nightclub industry. And then I landed a gig with Ciroc, so Ciroc Vodka. Um, and I did PR. So I didn't promote. I'm not a promoter, if anyone knows. Didn't promote. I can't even persuade 10 girls. Didn't promote. To... Didn't go to leisure centers. Let's get that very, very clear. Very, very clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was no WAS list. <laughs> <laughs> up on the WAS list. So I did public relations. So I did, I did celebrity hospitality. That's what I did for nightlife. So I took celebrities out for a living and I took them to like restaurants, bars, clubs, yada, yada, yada. Then insert drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> so then that's, you know, then the nightlife gets a grip of you. And I was out every night. Every night's a night out in London. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. When did when did this all start? So when did like you've obviously in the you've been in the, around clubs? Did it start when you were in the modelling life, going out to all these parties that you get to go to, even when you're underage? Or was it? Did you like transition into it when you were more like elevated in your status where you were? I don't know. I just think I think those two things went hand in hand quite well. The like the modelling stuff and the nightlife stuff, and it was the same ecosystem. It was the same people. You know, you'd be doing music videos, catwalks, campaigns, and then everyone wants to go out. So it was like, it was the perfect plug. It was like the guy on set will take you out. Oh, I know this place. Yada, yada, yada. And I think it just transformed into like a proper actual job where then you start securing like, you can come down, you know, similar to what like most brands do now, right? We'll give you a table and this, you post, yada, yada, yada. You come down, we'll make sure there's nice press shots of you entering the club. And you and your mates can have a free night. And then it just turned into like more of a, a concrete role. At the start, it was literally just like, I can remember Nick saying to me, just being like, you, you know, you're a cool guy. You've got loads of cool people hanging around. Will you just come and work for me? He didn't, he didn't really know what to do with me. And then it just sort of moved into like, you're marketing. And then they figured out I wasn't marketing because I had to come to the office and I'd fall asleep every day. So I wasn't marketing anything. <laughs> you know, I literally, I can remember there's an office on Great Titchfield Street and everyone would be in there. My head would be on the, literally on the table like this. <laughs> And then that night, I'd bring them someone famous and they'd sort of like let me off the hook. Yeah, he's talent. Just get, <laughs> just get, just get him up. He's the bait. We can reel him in. In marketing. No, in, in the fucking daytime. I had business cards and everything. It said marketing. I was like, come on. <laughs> Anyone who went to university and studied a degree must be pissed. Because <laughs> I'm marketing directing the shit out of this business. <laughs> and then. Uh, and it was, it's a PR job. That's what PR people do. They liaise, they create opportunities, they create, you know, they, it's that relationship, isn't it? They, they sort of like, they, yeah, they help that relationship into the business. So I just, I, I, that's what I did. And it was, it was great. It was great. But it, it just involved me going out. Like, again, I'd be out. Say we all decided to go for dinner as friends, you know, and this is how it'd work. I did it for sort of 10 years. And then people would message me. So the artist would message me or the talent would message me or their manager would get in contact with me. And they'd be like, you know, I am so-and-so or I represent so-and-so. Apparently you're the guy to message. Can you sort out table here? Can you sort out dinner here? Can you do that? And then I just took it to another level. I started doing people's like single launches, album launches, fragrance events, like anything that they wanted to promote would use club spaces. I even did stuff that wasn't like at nighttime. I remember teaming up with Jamal from SBTV and doing like his acoustics, his A64s and freestyle 64s of like his artists and rappers to use a cool venue or like a cool, so I, it just, 
yeah, I just let my creativity sort of like run wild and we used the venues and we used the clubs and that's, that's how I made my name in the, in the nightlife industry. Did you always have that creative flow? Because obviously I kind of know your, know your up-to-date story now and what you got going on. Did you always, did, is this where it was born out of? Like this hustler spirit of collecting one pounds at the, <laughs> at the thing and then feeling like you're connecting with people and then sounds getting... Like, sounds like more like a thief. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's still, it's still creative, isn't it? It's like you're thinking outside of the box at that early, at that early stage. Like most people would be shitting their pants going, someone's going to catch me and slap me on the wrists. But... Yeah, I've got, I've got a, got a um, tip. I love quotes and, you know, motivational videos and all that sort of stuff. But I just, I've got an RE quote above my bed about, you know, the man with no imagination has no wings. And it's like, I look at that all the time and I just think that there's, you've always got to think outside the box. So I just, I, I learned this saying really early, earlier on and it was, you know, it was from, it was from Nick. Nick said to me, he was like, if you ever, ever, ever want to implement something, you know, just don't pass it around too much because if you, once you pass creativity around too much, it gets diluted because everybody has their say on it. And then by the time it comes into fruition, by the time you put it into play, it's so far away from the actual idea from the ideology of everything it's just like it's, it's just becomes bland yeah and it's like the with through every process it, people there's a element of like being scared or tentative it's like the longer you leave something the less likely it's going to happen that's why everyone starts something and never finishes it because then they realize either what it takes or yeah. yeah they just start being like oh someone's going to care about this or what's what's my reputation going to be like after doing this is it going to be a flop when we had a conversation yesterday and what we came out of it saying was no one cares no one cares as much as you do about anything you do like no one cares. And, I'm, and i'm the worst for it because i overcare and i you know i'm getting so much better at it but i used to care so much what people think you know and i think everyone does to a certain degree but i used to care so much you know are looking for validation all the time, like trying to be people's best friends, you know, and that, that, that resonates with the job that I had. My job was to look after everybody. Are you okay? Do you want enough drink? Are you fine? Can I get you anything? Are you all right? Da, 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 da. And that played to that, that insecurity really of not being okay with myself, you know, of like trying to please others all the time. You know, do they like me? Are they okay? Are they, are they my best, you know, this term best friend that you hear in London? Let's get this straight, yeah? No one <laughs> is your best mate. <laughs> you know, like when people go, oh yeah, they're my best mate. They are like, they own this, oh, my best friend owns this. Da, da, da. They're not. I've got two friends. <laughs> I went to school with them, yeah? I went to school with them. They're not like the most exciting people in the world. They don't own loads of stuff, but they're my best, best mates. And I've known them since I'm eight. I, I, life is like a book. I'm gonna drop some bars now, yeah? Life is like a book and each book has a chapter. Some characters are in every chapter. Some characters are in the first few, then they die. Some, some, no, but do you know what I mean? Like they die off or they leave or they don't come back into the book. And that is literally it. That is the, that is the parallel that you draw with your life. And I used to get so hung up when somebody wasn't in the future chapters or wasn't in the current chapter. And that's just life. You know, I'm going through it now. I'm going through a transitional phase now, like right now with two really close, two, two really close people. And it's not a case of like, oh yeah, they're, you know, they're bad or this, no one's bad. It's just like everyone's got needs and they need to move on with their life. Right. And I just think that like, if once you understand that you can be at ease with everything, because no, like you said, no one cares. So you're going to go and tell your story to somebody and they're like, I don't care. Like no one cares. And no one's talking about you. No one's thinking about you. People have got so much shit going on in their life. They really don't have the time to think about you. And that's it. <laughs> True. And the sooner we learn that, I think the better, because yeah. I think that's where a lot of this like social or that 
anxiety that comes from social media right now and everyone everyone thinking they need to prove something or be everywhere be at that restaurant be with these people be doing what, nobu yeah yeah portman square portman square brilliant <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know what I this is actually well shit. You know where this conversation was born out of? Obviously, you know, I was actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was a fangirl, right? I was, I was a Will Gooch fangirl, yeah? I met him. I actually met him. <laughs> last, when did I meet him? Fresh, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah the strike, right. And, I, and then I started following his, his story, right? And then I'm looking at his story. <laughs> And I'm like, he's just stopped off of food at Nobu. <laughs> he's doing this marathon challenge. And he's like in some five-star restaurant. It was Robbie Ballin's birthday. <laughs> and he, deser- he deserved it. <laughs> I saw like carbohydrate gels, serene. I saw like all this nice stuff. And then all of a sudden, he's in Nobu. And I'm like, all right, that's how you fuel for a marathon. <laughs> in the pudding, or in this case, the sashimi. And shit went well. <laughs> I was like, is that, that's how he's, uh, you know, refreshing himself for the runs. Just Nobu and Zuma and Rocker. Let's do it. <laughs> It'd be decent if that was the whole time. But <laughs> yeah, social anxiety. Don't don't see me at Nobu on a whatever day was and think you should be there or have to be there. Most of my life is eating, actually, comptoir baguettes. <laughs> do bang. So, but I do, I do eat regular shit too. I don't, I don't post my Cheerios in the morning. But sometimes maybe I will if it makes you feel better. <laughs> Cheerios, man, dude. Cheerios. Nah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I make a smoothie. You're a bougie smoothie guy. Yeah. With cereal. <laughs> but go back to that social anxiety thing. I think that's part of your DNA because obviously, like the tribe mentality. If you didn't fit in with your tribe, mm-hmm. you were out by yourself and you were dead, right? And obviously, the tribes back then were smaller. They were like 40, 50 people tops, right? Whereas now, that tribe mentality I think has gone out to the wider audience and you're like you're trying to fit in with everyone that follows you and that's just you can't please everyone so I think that's what I think the social anxiety thing comes from and like you're just trying to please too many people whereas if you have your small group of friends at the end of the day they don't really care like they're not they don't care whether you're trying to please them or not they just want to hang out with you and I think as you get older I've learned that as well that your group of friends your close friends get smaller and smaller and smaller. You still have a, a big network, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're all like close friends of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, listen, everyone, everyone knows who so-and-so is, but it's like, no one really knows behind the curtains who their best mates are. I think that's what the situation is now, you know? And I think that it's just, it's people think they know everything because they're seeing 5% of someone's life, if not smaller amount, because no one's going to really upload like you let's be honest right there are some people that are transparent on on social platforms and they're like you know this is me and i'm dealing with this and but the majority of people are not going to let you know when they're down in a dumpster so you're you're literally comparing yourself to someone's highlight so you're comparing your low light to someone's highlight 24 7. now that can't be good on a daily basis because I'm sure the majority of people, the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning, pick up their phone and they check Instagram or they check a social platform. And it's like, I do it. Everyone does it. I'm sure they do it. And then you have to train yourself. It's like training a dog. Like you have to train yourself to be like, this is what you need to do. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's headspace. Yeah. And I, that's what I think everyone, everyone needs. Because like you said, your mates don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not phoning my best mate in the morning. I'm like, hey, this would be... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm all too concerned what Karen from fucking Aberdeen thinks of me on Instagram because she's But do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's like it consumes you and it eats you. It's like erodes away at you. Speaking of eroding away at you, what was like the tipping point? Because we still haven't got into like your recent successes or, or sobriety yet. But what was the tipping point? You're in, you're in this nightlife, model life, hosting celebrities. You're now drinking. Drugs are involved. When, when did it come to like a tipping point? Where, where, is, where was your worst moment? And did that worst moment lead to you going, okay, this needs to stop? Or what was your reaction to that? I think like, I mean, the worst moment is, is the suicide, right? The suicide thoughts is like, is when you don't want to be here. I think that's your worst moment. I think that's anyone's worst moment. And I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. That in itself is like, it's quite, it's quite hard to get your head around. And I've always heard the saying, oh yeah, you know, you, you don't really, you know, you don't really stop until you're like rock bottom. And I think, I think I did. I think I hit rock bottom. You know, I didn't, I physically didn't want to be here anymore. I was taking drugs on my own. You know, that's, that's a big sign. That's a big sign. When you're taking drugs on your own, in a flat, in London, in Acton. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big sign. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I was, I, I, I was low. I think, you know, I had loads of people in the run-up to that. It's, that doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? So that's, that's accumulation effect, I call. Like, you take... I don't know, you know, you take a set amount of drugs and then all of a sudden you're doing it every single day. Then your, your tolerance increases, then you're taking more and more. Then you're not doing it for the kick of the drug. You're doing it for, it's a habit now. Then you start doing it in places you shouldn't be doing it. And then the whole night comes around doing it. <laughs> and then you're not present with people you're with. Then you're hanging out with people you wouldn't normally hang out with because they've got drugs. Then you're going to parties and places you wouldn't normally go to because there's drugs there. And then it's like, you'd never want it. You know, I've been up for weeks. I was up for days all the time. I was up for, you know, I, I think I'm like, again, I'm like, I'm six foot one and I weighed 69 kilos. You know, that's the equivalent of a, the modern day toilet yeah, brush. You weigh now? <laughs> <laughs> um, you now? Well, you know, just on a, on a, on a cut, aren't I? No, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting around. Healthy? healthy weight for me is around... 88 i'm about 88 now right so so i weigh 88 now but like you know i've i've been 95 100 kilos i've been you know i've always been lean my mo is i'm always lean i'm always ready will <laughs> <laughs> i'm always ready for a camera <laughs> i can call you at any time i'm conditioned <laughs> no let's get this straight no one is calling me now <laughs> <laughs> they used to be something called a check-in where they're like, you know, have you checked in? It'd be like 6 p.m. You've got to check in with your bookers and be like, is there any castings tomorrow? But they would like, they would throw it on you. They'd be like, tomorrow you're shooting so-and-so. And you'd have to be on call 24-7. You'd have to look fresh 24-7. So yeah, I think the low, the low point was that. So in the run-up to it, people are aware of it. I was quite good at hiding the, the really dark stuff because not only is there an embarrassment factor to it, but it's just like, you just, you don't, you know, you don't, you know you're not proud of it, but you're still yeah. doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're it, it morphs your personality. It morphs you as a person. It's like it's almost oh, like you're an imposter in your own self, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you like you have these outer body experiences. So I can remember so vividly, like I'd sit on a windowsill, and I used to smoke. 
So just to, I used to smoke 20 cigarettes a day normally. If you go out, you obviously smoke more. It's a smoke. Drinking, I didn't, wasn't like a massive, I told you my favorite drink was a mojito. So let's be real. I wasn't, I wasn't, like wasn't caning them. I wasn't, I wasn't caning the mojitos P- purely because it's an ingredients issue. Just, you know, it's manual labor as well. So, so, so I was, uh, yeah, it was, it, you know, it's the drugs and I was, I would, I would sit up and I would do drugs and I would, I would like, I would just smoke and sit there and it's almost like I would see myself doing it and I'd be having a conversation with myself. You know, that's loony stuff. That's lunatic stuff. And then I hated myself. I was so insecure. I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't, you know, I was, and then everything falls apart around you. Your friendship groups, the quality of people around you, your work life opportunities are like rock bottom. You're, you're holding on to a job you have that paid loads of money. Like nightlife paid me loads of money. And it was just this, yeah, it was just the same carousel of going out, getting, you wouldn't get up or you'd go out for days. And then I see this self-loathing circle just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then I actually just tried to overdose. So I tried to take so much Coke that I didn't wake up. I just thought that's the best way for this to end. I just thought I would just hammer, hammer in as much into my body as my poor little heart could take. And then, and then that's it. So I would just take, I would just take in as much as I could. So off I went, literally ordered in the best shit. <laughs> um, and it was awful, by the way, it wasn't the best. And if you're looking for plugs, I don't have any. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, oh my God, it was tragic. It was, that was tragic. So that was, that was August. I went sober August 11th, 2016. And I remember that date and I'll tell you why in a minute, but three days before that I was I was just I can remember coming home I'd looked after a girl band uh Mahiki I'd come I came back I thought right that's it I'm just gonna fucking do it I'm just gonna take as much as I can so I sat there line after line after line after line after line and I was like I was like delirious and I was just doing more and more to the point where my nose couldn't take anymore and then and then yeah it got dark I started video then I realized I'm gonna possibly not be here right so then I just caught my phone out and I started taking videos to apologize to my mom, apologize to my brother, you, you know, and just ap- apologize to my family. And, and I s- took a video on my phone. And then, yeah, it was, that, that was hard. That was, I think I was, cry, like, I was crying my eyes out and, you know, and I kind of didn't want to be helped. You know, I think when you're in those situations, you kind of don't want to be helped. You don't want, you want to be left to your own device. You, you commit, you decide. Deep down, I didn't want to. I don't think anyone wants to, you know, and I just feel like it was like a cry for help really to myself. And I was just like, I just wish something, I just, my, my actual words to myself were, I just want to go to sleep and not wake up. So I didn't want to do any harm to myself. I just wanted to go to sleep and not wake up. And I thought this is the best way to go to sleep and not wake up. I didn't want to be dramatic. I didn't want to hang myself. didn't want to do any of that stuff. Those thoughts, I never have the balls to do that. Ever, 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 ever. So I was like, cool, this is how we're going to go down. And I kept on doing it, kept on doing it, kept on doing it. I think I took, I mean, copious, maybe like 10 grams, copious amounts of good gear. In what, then, in what time frame? I couldn't tell you. I fucking Fuck don't know. Man, I don't know. I've got a picture of how I looked. I think I showed Will the other day. Did I not? Oh, it's gross. I'll get it. You can see it. This wasn't on the day. I obviously didn't stop off and take a picture. It's sort of around that time. 
let me try and get it for you. I always used to remind myself by looking at this picture, like in my journey, because obviously I'm five years sober. Where are we? Somewhere around here. Fucking hell. Oh my goodness. That doesn't even look like you. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're shredded as fuck, clearly, but like <laughs> yeah. facially, that I don't you're see any recognition. Skeleton. Yeah. So, like, I had this thing where, like, le- like leading up to that, I mean, like, just so you know, that like, obviously, I mean, I'm sure you've seen people that like drug addicts and stuff like that, but they, it, it torn away at my body so much that, like, I was like paper thin. So, if I lifted my arm up or, like, it would, tear and slit my skin my skin was so dry so under my arms i had like crevices under my armpits of like where it was bleeding i had like and it would like hurt to take a shower like hot water on my like on, on in those cuts and stuff like that it was just like the most painful thing in the world i can remember taking a shower once i literally sat at the bottom of the shower like hugging my body because it was just so painful because it had been like cut from underneath my skin and you start smelling and stinking because you just like your body's eroding. You're sticking so much narcotics into your body that your body's just like just ripping, ripping away at you. So then I passed out. Whatever happened, I passed out. And then I didn't wake up for three days. So the day I woke up was August 11th, 2016. And I'd never done a drug or drink or done anything since. <laughs> <laughs> What were the first thoughts that came to your head when you woke up? I just, I, I mean, I was amazed it was the day it was. Like, I just, like, I was delirious, right? I mean, to the point where, like, I think even the person I lived with had no idea. Like, no one had any idea. And it, it's always the way that, like, you know, I'm sure you've all got, like, the girl that got away, right? So there was always this girl that, like, I, but I was useless with getting with girls. People were like, oh, my God, this guy is amazing. He must be so good looking. Like, he must get all the girls. I literally was more interested in, doing drugs and I was ever getting involved with girls. So this girl was always by my side, like in and around my life. She's gorgeous, gorgeous girl. I think she's just married and she's gorgeous in the sense that she was gorgeous inside as well as she was out. She was just the loveliest person. She's a lawyer. She was in and around, in in and around my life. And we always liked each other, but I just like, who can put up with that? That was, I was like a wreck. So like we we had hooked up and done bits and bobs, but it just like, it just could never get off the ground because I was just so loose. And she was the one that was like, said to me, she was like, I'm, if you don't go home and tell your mum, I'm going to tell your mum. I'm going to go home and tell your mum. And I was like, it freaked me out and gave me like major anxiety that someone would ever go and speak to my mum. Because my mum is, remember, my mum is this prim and proper, you know, but like. Be polite. Yeah. Proud of you for that. And my, I think like, not, I'm not blaming it on my parents breaking up at all, but one of the catalysts was that like in my mid twenties, my parents did split, you know? And I, th- I think that if you don't address stuff in your life, whether it's that everyone has stuff going on in their life. So it's not like, it's definitely not violin, poor me, yada, yada, yada. But the, the moral of that story is that if you don't address things head on, they will come back and bite you in the ass because it literally was a way for me to isolate myself, take drugs, to do things and just like, if you're unhappy, people that are unhappy tend to tend to take stuff in surplus, right? Because it's numbing the pain. Exactly. Like yeah. asking it. Yeah. yeah. And then, so if you if you if you draw a line between that and what drugs actually do, drugs just fortify the personality within. So when so here's a question for you: When's the worst time to take drugs? When you're low. When do when does everybody take drugs? When they're low. So all drugs does is fortify the personality, exaggerates the person inside. 
That's what drugs does because it brings everything to the forefront. So if you know the worst time to take drugs is when you're low, that's the, the, you don't want to hear that, do you? Because your, your, your goal is to try and numb your pain. So the people that do well on drugs, I mean, like I say well on drugs, but the people that can, it's because they've got a nice life, got a nice setup, they'll take it recreationally, which is what it is. It's a recreational drug and they'll go on and live their life. They're not tied to it. They've got a great life. They accept it for what it is. It's Saturday night and then they move on. So it's like that, that was an event that happened in my life and I don't, I never dealt with it. My twin brother was in LA, my parents split up and I couldn't get my head around it. I couldn't fathom it. I couldn't get my head around the fact that my parents weren't together you know, no, no family time, this, that, and the other. And to this, you know, to this day, my twin brother's in LA, my parents are split, they live in different places. There's no like family essence to what I do or, you know, Christmas, I no longer had Christmas with the family. I no longer had birthdays with the family, you know, and like the family element got taken out of me in my mid twenties. So I felt even more alone, but yeah. So then I, how did I get out of what I was in? I, I did confront my mum, but it didn't, it, it took me some time. I started to do something so I mean I tried to do this before as well I started announcing like day one day two day three day four day five days I bored the shit out of the people that must have followed they must have hated me because <laughs> I'd done it before as well right I'd get to like day 100 and fall off the bandwagon and I literally was like how am I going to get over this I actually went back into the problem so there's like a, <laughs> I think it's like a Buddhist philosophy, but the Buddhist philosophy is instead of turning and running from the problem, you should look inward and go into the problem. Mm-hmm. So like I can remember, I can remember just picking up, I don't know, I just pick up like one paragraph that's useful for me and I try and apply it to my life. <laughs> I'm that Dude, type of Buddhist person. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm I literally. I, you know what it's like in life, you'll stumble across something and I'm like, you can really resonate with a sentence or a paragraph. And I like that really like stuck with that. I, I need to go into the problem and I can't run from the problem. I need to go into the problem. So I carried on working at nightlife, which was bizarre. Most people would advise completely against that. So my, the last two years of my career in nightlife, I carried on working at nightlife. Granted, I worked for like lesser cool places. They're not lesser cool. I can't name them now, can I? <laughs> I worked for Bunga Bunga. <laughs> I'm serving pizza. <laughs> but like, yeah, the, I ended up working for the Inception Group and I did like, you know, I still carried on doing bits for Ciroc and stuff. I still worked for Ciroc when I was sober. And that's completely different. That's a, you know, another story for another time of how I felt and how that felt like when I was going out. But yeah, the, I actually put myself in a position where I'd go to all the after parties and then I would like rack everyone's lines up. And then I thought, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in the mix. I'm going to be the guy that like still has it on him, still does it, facilitates it. Because that's what you are. You're a facilitator, right? So you facilitate it. And then you're like, I'm going to be the facilitator. I'm still going to be the facilitator, right? Because I very well knew that like, if I didn't work in nightlife, no one's phoning me. <laughs> no one's my best. Remember that best mate conversation? No one's my best mate, right? So I did that and I went to every party. I was like, racket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dun, dun. You know, sometimes I do that. If you want some tricks, by the way, Red Bull looks like champagne. Stick that in a glass. Water looks like vodka. Stick that in a glass. Same thing. Went out. Hey, boom. Tsh, boom oh, you're drinking pints of vodka. <laughs> as you are. <laughs> I'll do it. Like vodka shot, whatever, like tequila, this, that, and the other. So then I found coping mechanisms tiny coping mechanisms mm. did to- you find that like it almost was it was good to face the triggers that you'd usually get but also still feel like you were fitting into your circle so there was 
like it sounds it sounds counterintuitive but you still felt very much part of it your life was still the same but you weren't having all those yeah, drugs you can't just withdraw right anything that's you can't just come out of it completely it's like well what do you do what's the transition like what do you do you go from being this from that's it's like me taking you out of what you do and then it's going right this is your new life you'll be like well hold on you know and also i like to feel like i've made the decision myself it wasn't forced upon me i wanted to ease my way out and then push and also everything the pay like there was so many factors around it it wasn't a case of you stop doing that it was your friends your you know but the beauty about going sober is that just doing that half the work's done for you and i'll tell you why people are like oh you got to change your friends you got to do that. you don't actually have to do any of that it does it itself it auto cleans your life for you because the people that go out and take drugs at night you don't hang out with anymore and guess what? Definitely don't meet them during the day. They're not because they're they're too busy eating invisible sandwiches and playing the invisible piano, right? So they're, <laughs> so they're so you're not going to see them during the day, right? They're in bed. They're hanging up. They're hanging. They don't want to. You know, they've gone out. So then your friend circle, the people you hang out with, just just gradually, 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 just changes. But then you you look. I look back now and I don't hang out with anybody. I'm just you know passing the plate around with at four a.m. in the morning because you you your your goals and your direction is different. You know, it's like, who, who are all your mates? They all train. They're there that you've created. You've literally created a community with pure sport of like-minded individuals. Everybody loves what you do because you all do the same thing. You want, you all turn up. You want to better yourself. You encourage people to move. Movement is medicine for the body. You encourage like endorphins, good sleep, good recovery, and that camaraderie of everyone wins. Let's do events together. Let's create teams. Let's, you know, and that's, that's the community you create. So it's, it's the same thing. I decided that I just don't want to be part of that community anymore. I don't want to be part of the community that go out and get pissed. I don't want to be part of the community that think it's cool to stay up until 4am in the morning. There's nothing wrong with that community. I mean, I used to be part of it. I just want to be in a different tribe. Like you said, I want to, be, I want to belong to a different tribe. So I had to ease my way out of that tribe and put myself into a new tribe. And I, and it's just, it's, it's a daily day. You speak to anybody and they say, take it every day as it comes, every day as it comes. I haven't been to any AA meetings. I haven't been to any CA meetings. I haven't been to any, any meetings at all. Because your internal conversation needs to be stronger than your external. The relationship you have with yourself, you know, and, and the meeting stuff is, is helped so many people, but I just felt like I needed to sort the problem out with myself, you know, because it, it was an occupational hazard. It was a friend, friendship group problem. It wasn't like I had a normal setup and I was escaping to go and do it. I was like, it was, the, my actual job was my problem, <laughs> you know? So I started doing that and every single day I was just moving slowly away from who I was to where I wanted to be. And then that was, and that was it. And that was my motivation every day. I think I counted up to like a thousand days and I still carried on counting. And I used to, on Instagram, I was like, day 1,200. And they were like, he's doing some mad training program. <laughs> 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 no one knew until I like, actually like I did, I, I did a five year post not so long ago. You know, I take my top off, get my abs out, I get 10 likes. I tell people I'm sober, I get like 5,000 likes. So it's just like, it was like, it was a story that people like really resonated with and wanted to listen to. No one cares about my abs. Uh, so, so <laughs> please like the picture of me topless. <laughs> it's like I've got a fake profile. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, 
so yeah it was just it's 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 been it's been a tough journey for sure two years after i just i just couldn't do it anymore I physically had no love i lost every bit of passion i didn't care that the best party ever was happening on a saturday night i didn't care that the biggest artist was wanted me to look like i just didn't, i didn't care just couldn't care just stopped caring like I want a massage, I want a deep tissue massage, and I want to go train chest on a Saturday morning. That's what I want to do. I always wanted, I always wanted to train chest though. Every day, sometimes. Sometimes I forget my legs. Even though I walk on them. Somebody came out to me in the gym once. I was like, "You look great, but you know, legs is half your body." I was like, "I know." Did you just bump them with your sh- massive shoulders? Like, fuck them. The machines are always busy. The squat racks are always taken. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah. Um, I do train legs, by the way. Um, so, um, yeah, I just, it, it's, it's just been amazing. It's, it's been the best thing I've ever done with my life. Like, hands down. It's the best thing I've ever done. So if you have to draw a graph between like productivity and being sober, yeah. it literally looks like this. It's so steep. To be clear, he's putting a really steep gradient. Up more than 45 yeah. degrees. At yeah, least. come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> looks like 90 blood. We had Chris Williamson on a little while ago on here as well, and he did the same thing. He went... He was in the nightlife and then he went a thousand days sober, I think and he posted the other day and he was Who's like, this? Chris Williamson, he does the Modern Wisdom podcast, very knowledgeable guy, works in nightlife, still works in nightlife, still runs night cl- nights out and stuff like that. I think he's, I don't know if he's got a club, but he runs a night out at a club and he did the same thing. He went a thousand days sober. I think that was probably recent, yeah, a few months ago and he was like, if I want to have a beer, I'm going to have a beer. But he said it's not going to be like part of his life as much anymore. And he said the same thing. He said his productivity went through the roof. Oh, it's mad. It's actually mad. Like, we'll get up to speed of where I'm at now then, because it's a great lead on, right? So now I manage group fitness for Equinox. Equinox is a market leader in what they do. Undeniably, probably one of the best health clubs or gyms globally that's how i described it i remember always seeing it and it's, it's like the pinnacle even before i went to the states i don't know how i found it on instagram whatever i was like that's what i want to be a part of and then when you went to a club it's like it's just a feeling of like it's special there I mean, it is well it's just like we we've got something called you know the high fives and it's all around the members it's like listen to your members know your members see th- things through your members eyes you know what is it every interaction is a make or break. There you go. And then exceed expectations. That was the last one. But it's just, it's, it's literally just, it's just, it's such a personalized experience. And it, and it takes, it takes training or you know, to another level. So how did you get there from, you're now sober, you've been, you've been posting it up. So I was, I was, um, part, part of my journey before was that like, I told you I had that PT qualification. I was actually the PT for my agency. So my agency, my agency sort of knew my journey and I ended up sort of t- taking like personal training for my agency. So they'd give me models and then I'd work with them intensely for like five weeks, six weeks. They'll be like, this person needs to, you know, shoot a campaign. So then I was basically like the quick fix, but I also tried to give them pass on hopefully some of my positivity would rub off on some of these models because they were in such 
you know, dire straits. They had, they had such bad habits. And then it was more relatable that way because it's like, oh, this guy's gone through da 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 mm -hmm. And he's in my position. He's done what I've done. He's traveled around. Yeah. So they, they, so I started personal training, loads of models. And I mean, the, the success rate was just ridiculous. I mean, I proper buzzed off them doing well. Like I'd like, it was mad. It's like you form this relationship with somebody for like four or five weeks. And then I remember one guy, he lost, not that anything's to do with weight, but just I'll give you some stats. He lost 10 kg. He passed his driving test. Obviously, that had nothing to do with it, but it goes back to productivity, right? Of like when your mindset's right. Yeah. Lost 10 kg, passed his driving test. His missus gave birth. He went sober. He stopped smoking. He booked like three campaigns. He bought a house. Everything happened within like four to six weeks. And I was just like, he literally turned around and was like, my whole life has changed. And it was just like, and I was like, oh. I, can't, I yeah. can't believe I've been a part of that. I can't believe I helped that. And then he was like, he was just like, I can't thank you enough. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so to answer your question, James was like, when did you want to help others? That was like, that was when, you know, it started to shift my focus. Did that become your cocaine? That became my cocaine, baby. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no, uh, so then one or two, obviously you don't get on with some of them and then you, you know, you see it's not for you. Training such a personal thing, isn't it? You know, to all the PTs out there, I commend you. You do a great job. Um, it's, you, are, you are energy sponges. You take mm -hmm. on other people's energy. You take on other people's problems and then you end up being a life coach. They probably don't get too much training done and then you're there to console them and it's very hard to switch off. But I'm very militant in my approach. I have a plan. I need something to do, whether you like me or not. That's not, that's here nor there. And, you know, and I knew that PT wasn't for me, you know, doing people back to back every single day. A, it's a capped earning capability, but also it's like, I'm, I'm a, like a sensitive soul. So I'm just like, I can't take on that energy. Like and I can't, you can't work on yourself then after because you've just given it out to absolutely yeah, everyone else. And, I, and I've got a lot to give. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, yeah, your, your like, energy is mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like an energy dealer. <laughs> I'm like, woo! <laughs> My workouts, people are like, just shut up. Like, we're going to go in five, four, three. They're like, turn it off. I think girls have actually avoided me. I recently went, <laughs> recently somebody, my last, last girl I was seeing, she was like, I was so worried about meeting you. She was like, I thought you could, she came to my flat. She was like, I thought you could open the door. I'd be like, welcome. Five push up, come on. <laughs> Ready to come inside. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> We're gonna go to the bedroom in five, <laughs> four. <laughs> you could go with that all day. <laughs> but it was like, it's that voice, isn't it? It was just like, it was just so. There is that. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that stuff. But um, I went from the PTing, and I landed a job. Shout out to the guys at um, BXR. I landed a job at BXR. So I started teaching classes at BXR when it opened. Pretty much, I was in from sort of like the start. And I, yeah, I worked, I worked with the guys. I learned a lot. Somebody, I, I believe it's a lost art in, in the UK. Not lost, but I think it's definitely a lot less than like definitely in America, but having this, this relationship of like having a mentor and you being a mentee and actually like commending people that help you, you know? And I think we're, we're slowly getting there. Yeah, A lot of people just want to do it on their own. So it's like off their own back. They feel real proud. Like, oh, no one, no one helped me, but mm a lot of the most successful people in life are constantly looking for help from everyone because yeah, everyone knows like 
they're limited in in their thinking. Someone might change the way you think about something and that opens up a new door or a new way to do what you're doing to a better level. Like a, a thousand percent of it. It's just about learning. Like it's about, you cannot, you physically cannot grow if you don't learn and no one knows everything. And that that is a solid sentence from start to finish. That is like, you physically cannot grow if you don't learn. Yeah, I find the, the quickest way to learn something is just to ask someone. Yeah. Honestly, because everyone you meet can teach you something. Yeah. And if you're in an environment with people that you know, you're working with or something like that, or just anything, and then you're like, oh, I'm stuck on this. And someone can either teach you how to do it or how they did it or give you a new perspective because sometimes you get caught in your own little head of being like, this is how you do things. And then you speak to someone else and they're like, oh, why don't you do it this way? And it's like, oh, there's, there's the solution. You've just sorted that for me by just looking at it from an outside perspective. thousand percent, stick your hand up. And get, or if somebody, especially in our industry, somebody asks you, you probably get asked running tips all the time. Yeah, you probably get asked, how do I look so dense all the time? How do you do muscle up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Longford, isn't it? Longford? Longford, yeah. yeah, yeah. Big up Longford. Big up Longford. I asked him one time when I met him, James, what is Longford? He was like, it was born in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm to explain to the, to the people. The Longford is literally <laughs> as simple as my flat is called the Longford. Yeah. Do, you live there, we, do you live there now? No, nah, we moved out of it. The Longford's dead. No, the Longford lives on forever. Longford LTD. Yeah. <laughs> one day I'm going to my own gym and I'm going to call it the Longford. But basically I had all the gyms closed. So I was like, well, I'm just going to make my own little home gym. And then I just posted videos about me gymming at home. And I was like, day one at the Longford. What would the reception look like? Would it have Serene there? Yeah, 100%. You come in, you get your eucalyptus towel and you're thinking, <laughs> and you're thinking sorry. <laughs> the buttered ones are yeah, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> ready slides. <laughs> we don't have free workout, but <laughs> we got sore, <laughs> so yeah. I just uh, I don't know how we got onto Logford. <laughs> you were in uh, your boxer phase, but then obviously oh, yeah. you've so, you've found your own success doing your, your own thing. With... So, no, so I was doing uh, yeah, I was PT, and then I came. I, I I was at BXR, and I started doing group fitness. So I started doing group fitness, and I started teaching classes then I'm like, rah, okay, this is, you know, when you do something and you're like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I was born to do this. Mm. I've got energy and there's more than one person here and yeah. they're not sapping my energy. Don't get me wrong, there were some classes where there's only one person. Well, <laughs> <know. laughs> <laughs> we, we got rid of that. But I started, I started teaching like, you know, box fit classes. Okay, so like using punching bags as, as like exercise and they did that. And then I did start doing strength and conditioning and then I started um, doing, you know, uh, strength and tone was another class there. So I did loads of classes at BXR and going back to the mental thing, I had somebody, he's called James Pisano, sort of took me under his wing and then was like, you've got a great potential. I don't know what to do with you. You've got great potential. Da, da, da. And I just started going to these like teacher training sessions with him all the time. And then I started to, cause group fitness is about picking up like your, your style. Like there is, there is only one you, so you've just got to be you, right? Sounds really stupid, but people always try and look at what other people are doing. Like, oh, I need to be like that. I need to be, you actually just need to be yourself because as soon as you take your mic off, you're still talking to members and participants and you need to be relatable, right? You need to be exactly how you are on the mic and be, then you can't be disingenuous. You cannot be somebody who is just like, I don't know, just has a fakery to them. They can't be this fake personality. I've seen them out there like they're a character. Yeah. When they when they're teaching their class, yeah. and then you see them outside of it, and you're like, oh right, you're not that yeah. person that I see when you're teaching your class. Yeah. I mean, you've gone, you've, I'm sure you've all gone to enough classes, but it's like, I, 
this is another thing that I learned as well through the through the process. It's like people will never remember the moves you give them ever. If they had to come back to you, recite your class to you, they'd never remember the moves. Thousand percent. I remember one of the moves you gave me in one of the classes at Equinox, the flipping ice skater thing. You love that, don't you? But I was sweating, you're, and it was like a laminate floor, and I was like. I'm going to snap my MCL here any minute because I was like, I'm going to slip in my own sweat and I'm going down. Well, we could regress that to you for a courtesy lunch. <laughs> there are always regressions available. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, people will never remember the whole workout. What they will remember is how you make them feel. Right? And it took me ages to learn that. Right? It was like, I used to think it was about what shoes am I wearing? What top am I wearing? Am I sponsored by the latest brand? Am I like, am I the coolest guy in the room? Da, 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 you know, and you, we've all met those trainers, right? But the, it was never about that. You know, my, my attitude switched when I learned this at Equinox and I went to Equinox. So I got scouted and I obviously got offered a managerial position at Equinox to run the team. And, and I do stuff like payroll now and do schedules for the, for the club. And I onboard talent, my, my, yeah, it's talent acquisition and the group fitness experience. And I'm based at their top tier club at St. James. And I look after the roster of talent and we do like trainings for them. And like, I, I get trained all the time and I'm learning constantly. And that, and that was it. It was like, people always remember how you make them feel. So make sure that you are making people come to those group classes to get away from what they're doing. You know, and it's like, if you, the ability to touch so many people just by teaching a class is crazy. Like pre COVID days, we used to have like 40, 50 people in a room. I was like servicing anything between like, I don't know, 200 people a day sometimes, you know, I could change 200 people's lives. <laughs> it's insane. There's a big thing in CrossFit. It's like that hour that they come to the gym to train, make it the best hour of their day. And I feel like like a lot of people do that. They have, well, not everyone, but some people have jobs they just don't like doing. They don't have a home life they like go, go back to, but they have this hour at the gym that they're going to feel good because they've had a sweat and they've released some endorphins, but it's like you've got an opportunity there to make that the best hour of their day. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And listen, I haven't got it right all the time. There's some people probably listening to this guy. I went to his class and he's rubbish and I don't like him and he's egotistical and he loves himself. At some point, I probably did. You know, at some point, I probably did. But you're forever, you're forever learning. And I think that my my mission and my where I'm going with what I'm doing now, which is what I discussed with you. Can you get into any of what what's yeah. next or what you or what you're looking to do? You can be you can be surface level, but it's obviously yeah. it's exciting because it shows it shows. I feel like you've always you've always sort of found success in what you've done, but some of those successes massively brought you down, and and clearly did from your story earlier. But now you've now you've had the sobriety, and you've you've found your tribe, you found something you're passionate about that you're still obsessed with. Now you've you've like hit the trajectory where everything is going exactly in the right direction, and it's you being true to you. So what is that next sort of exciting step? So. As simple as this, the company I work for is an American company. Fill in the line. American dream. <laughs> um, there you go. No, I just, I feel like that uh, the company's born out of New York. They have 105 clubs. They've got a hotel as well in Hudson's Yard. And they, yeah, they, they, they basically, they're, they're born out of New York. New York for me, I think anyone that's in group fitness is like the spearhead of group fitness, right? That's where like the group fitness boutiques are born. There's some great places I went over there. I literally did a, a whole- And people, there's so many, right? It's so like, many. And if you're going to be good, that's you've got a lot of competition. 
what, what people go to like the Middle East, like the Middle East are up and coming. There's loads of people doing you know, Qatar, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, you know, even in Europe, there's, there's loads of locations going off. But America, and it's particularly New York, okay, LA as well, but particularly New York, you know, I can remember going on a holiday, yes, a holiday to go and train. <laughs> um, and I went to New York and I identified like 16 places that I wanted to go to in eight days. So I went out to all these places and there's places like, have you been to Tone House? Tone House was just like the biggest eye opener for me. Like, if you're ever in New York, go and check out Tone House. It's mad. It's like born out of old college, like American football players. <laughs> I took a piss out of myself again. <laughs> we walked in. I went with my, I went with my, uh, with my friend. Walked in. He's a trainer as well. Went there. Walked in. <laughs> They're like, you know, this class is advanced. And I was like. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be signed off to do like advanced classes. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. I got this, yeah. So I'm advanced, yeah. I am advanced. And then uh, I am advanced. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Middle name, advanced. <laughs> Where's advanced to Shire? So then, I was like, I am group fitness. <laughs> so I was like, I took it like took it personally. My ego got involved. I was like, Arr. and then uh, they were like, it's advanced leg day. And then my mate was like, they've seen your legs. <laughs> we get down. We get on the turf. Right, we get on the turf and we put our hands in. Like, Everyone put your hands in. And then I have never witnessed anything like this in my life. Whose house? I'm like, what? <laughs> Whose house? It was like, Tone House. Whose house? And they're like, then this American guy was like, slapped me in the back and was like, yo, we got the guys from London. We got Waz in the building. <laughs> I'm like, Waz. <laughs> We got Waz up in the building. Waz. Yo, Waz. I wasn't. Why are you saying I was? I, was so I am Waz. I was so confused. I was looking around and I was like, yeah. Yeah. Don't know what to say. Yeah. Just pumping people. Yeah. Like people spanging their hands each other's asses and shit. They're like pushing each other around. Then we get into the work. The warm up is like hurdles and you've got a burpee. Honestly, I'll show the videos. It's nuts. Burpee, run round, burpee, run round, burpee, run. Nah, Damn. Out. Then, <laughs> for that reason, I will not be investing. See <laughs> <laughs> so never turn out. <laughs> my friend is mad fit, like super fit. He was struggling. So I looked at myself and was like, I'm fucked. <laughs> so I'm like a Lamborghini with no petrol in. <laughs> I may look good. <laughs> I told you before, I'm like aesthetics. I may look good. I have got no engine reserves in here whatsoever. And that guy, you know when they go to track and they're like don't blow your load don't run around that's me <laughs> first lap I won that lap that's all that matters I won that I beat all you fuckers yeah. I resign <laughs> that's me so, I done that and I was I was dead I was I was dying they got this thing called the gallop where you gallop down the turf they got an astro turf yeah and there's a toilet there's a toilet, an actual toilet at the end of the AstroTurf. That toilet's That's not... They can throw up, or? Yeah, baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, they use it so you can throw up. So they're, like, they're galloping and they're doing all this nuts. Like, Name it Kevin or hell because you actually have to work to throw up. Well, I was just embarrassed, right? So then they gave us these gliders, right? And you have to like... I mean, I don't even know what the move's called. But you've got to stick your hands on the glider. Imagine you've got to stick your hands on a pair of gliders and then run down the AstroTurf. Like a bear crawl. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, a sled, basically, but... You haven't got a sled, yeah. Human sled. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, I couldn't do it anymore. My legs gave up. Yeah, chicken legs gave up, packed up, couldn't do it. Literally, physically couldn't move. I was battered by the end of it. This woman (laughs) came up to me 
slapped my ass while I was on the floor, took my sliders. She was like, I got you. <laughs> I got your reps. <laughs> took the sliders and did my, did my reps while I sat there. And I was like, I'm like, that's it. I'm not going to no more advanced classes. But I, but I, went, I went there and I took so much inspiration from it. And it was like coaches, coach, if you want to get ahead in, in, I think in group fitness anyway, the best coaches are the best thieves. They're the best, they're, they're the best thieves in the sense that you will go take someone's class. Like you said, James, just ask someone. If you don't know how to do something, just ask. Go up to somebody, go and experience it, go and be in it and then come away from it and be like, I took this amazing class. And I took this move from this class. And as long as you credit people, then it's all good. You know, like go and seek advice, go and seek help, go and see. And that idea of being mentored is the quickest way for me to success. So to answer your question, where's it going to lead? There's talks of stuff happening next year, closer to the, closer to the core of the company, which is in New York. I'd love to be a part of that. And, and, and that's, that's for the, you know, the, the sort of short term. And then, yeah, I've got my own company called Raise, which is sort of like, what it's so special if you ever come to a raise event it's it's such a special thing that you know that happens it's basically we take over unique hotspots in london that are unassociated with fit um fitness so like we the ones we've taken over are like we took over a restaurant then we took over a hotel which had like a wedding ballroom in it then we took over a helipad we took over an underground car park most recently we took over ministry of sound nightclub so what we do is we go in there, put on like, a, I call it an experience because it is an experience. It's theatrical from start to finish. And then we, yeah, it's like, we, it's, it's a mix of strength, like, like dumbbells and stuff. And then you've got martial arts with like <laughs> boxing and then cardio conditioning, sort of like body weight moves and stuff. But it was, it was exactly what you guys do. You, you, I see stuff online. You run a run club, don't you, on a Wednesday? And it is literally that inclusivity card. If everyone is over here being exclusive, I want to be over there and I want to be inclusive, right? If everyone's saying like, you've got, I say to people, I'm like, if yours that serious, there's something called the Olympics, go and train for it. But there's no need for you to go and bring down other people around you or be like, the, the power is in numbers. The power is in numbers and all, like all doing the same thing and experiencing the same high and the same low. Yeah, people got different numbers. Yeah, people got different weights in their hands. Yeah, people got, are running different speeds. They're achieving more or less calorie. Who cares? They're all part of the same experience and they're meeting people, more importantly, that, that are lifelong friends. Like the whole thing about Ray's was that I wanted to be like, oh, I met my girlfriend there. I met my boyfriend there. I met my best friend there. You know, and then we would start to see like people break off and go and do classes with each other that met at Rays. And I'm like, that's the, that's uh, it. Done. Yeah. They are the moments done. from Run Club. The same for me. It's like seeing people hang out outside of that and, and made friends, stayed in the country, renewed their visa no. to stay here. Like I, I'm not that proud of, I don't have a long list of things <laughs> I'm that proud of, but that shit makes me like beam. Well, I mean, I just got, Grayson just gave me some of these, didn't he? While they I've seen these in in my gym. Like I've seen people wear these. I start to sit and I'm like, Rah. they socks, by the way. And it's Sock Flex Friday. Oh, so yeah. if you want to. Yeah, baby. I mean, if you can't see them, but they look like. They're the Hexi like collab. What are they called? The, They're the one of ones. Yeah, but what are they called? Because we've got the oil drip and then it's the. There's only one of those though. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, he is very special. I mean, yeah. So I've seen these socks 
on people. Doesn't that say like levels yeah. to what you're doing? You know, that's like kudos to what you're doing. Because mm -hmm. it's like, you've gone out to achieve something and it, and it's when it happens it's like oh <laughs> let's do yeah. that again yeah. Yeah. let's do that one more time yeah and let's all you're trying to do is like give people an opportunity to better themselves and meet other people doing the same stuff yeah and it's like how cool is that like, i don't i don't actually care we, we actually lost money on ministry of sound that's we actually lo physically lost money on doing the event you know and it's just never been about that you know, I'm probably gonna have to bankroll it for the, for the next couple, but it's, it's just never been about that. What it's been about is building something that people are like, you know, during lockdown, we gave out live workouts for free. And people are like, what? You're nuts. Like, da -da -da -da. and I'm just like, it, lockdown for everybody, again, another story for another time, was just such a dark time for everybody. But I just feel like be, to be able to give something and not want to receive something in return is power. Like to be able to give you, and like my mum always used to say to me, don't give to receive, give from your heart. So it's anything. So if you want to give money to somebody, you want to give, just if you're going to give money to somebody, be prepared that it won't, might not come back. You know, if you want to give something, don't, don't look for gratification. Don't look for a thank you. Don't, and that is what, if anybody knows me as a person, that's what I'm about. Like I will help, 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 give, give, give sometimes too much. And then you end up falling out or you end up like, you know, it's, but I'm, I can go to sleep at night because I'm the person that will just, I want to help. Well, Mr. Helper, you've helped us through a long episode. <laughs> and bro, I think like we, we were at Equinox yesterday and we could have carried on speaking the entire time. But yeah, it's been hugely insightful. Like from our part, thank you for your honesty as well. There's a huge amount of power in that and people can take nuggets. It's not necessarily saying that someone's going to hear this that's, in trouble, <laughs> addicted. Picking their A-levels. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, or picking their A-levels looking media. for media. media. I told you, media. Yeah. Nah, oh, didn't experience. <laughs> pick on me, but yeah, there's been, there's been so many nuggets. And like, for me personally as well, it's been great to learn more about your story and take, take on things myself. So grateful to you for being here. Where can people find you if they want to? So... At Waz, I actually, Waz, there's only, Waz means piss up north, doesn't it? Like going for a Waz. No one's called Waz. <laughs> so just, if you type in Waz, it comes up. <laughs> You'll find him. Find so, him. He's got small legs and he's got a big chest. Waz from Bolton. <laughs> so Waz, Waz Ashire. And then, yeah, at Ray's LDN. My actual name is Wasim. It's an Arabic name. Yeah. I'm glad we got, glad we got that out of the way at the end. There you go. <laughs> just in case people are wondering, they're like, I wasn't going to call you by your full name. <laughs> no, <laughs> but just <laughs> <laughs> your seem advanced a shire. <laughs> Done though. <laughs> that's that's going on my profile. <laughs> well, that has been Pure Sport Project. Fucking how good. <laughs> Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in. As a valued listener, we'd like to offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast, like, subscribe and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed and we'll catch you next time.